0: You're in some
1: serious Chinese trouble, man.
0: You're listening to Blue Yonder with your hosts, Jim Jones, Og Peter Streets, Ruga Ruga, and introducing Aaron Hubbard, Mr. Anderson. suckers i was like thinking about calling the segment what's your bliss
2: well i was going to say my bliss is a stripper down at dancers (laughs) her name actually is bliss
0: (laughs) (laughs) obviously geek related and specifically gaming like if it actually could be broader it could be any geek moment that made you feel enraptured by it yeah let's broaden that how about that
1: god you just opened the fucking floodgates man yeah you know, the other
2: thing I was going to mention is uh, some of this can be, I, I think at least once a year I have at least one moment of geek bliss. So it's like I might even be talking about stuff more recently. But I was opening up, uh, you know, I was thinking about this. The first thing that popped in my head literally is there used to be an arcade in my hometown back in the late 70s, early 80s called Dr. Feelgood's, Goods. And, you know, it had Pac-Man and Missile Command and all these other games. But the one that was my favorite was Moon Patrol you guys play Moon Patrol? Yes.
1: Oh, fuck yeah. And it has, I love Moon and It has Patrol. that awesome... Wasn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. We actually it
1: used is... the opening music uh, from Moon Patrol as the power play opening once. Yes, we do. Get out, man. That's awesome. Correct. Well, anyway,
2: Moon Patrol, so you're, you're on a bug, you're on the moon, and you got to jump over craters, and you have to shoot these like little moon stalactites, and then... Uh, levels get harder cause, uh, there's, you got two guns. One turret that faces forward, one that faces straight up. The forward turret shoots, um, obstructions on the land. And the top turret obviously shoots kind of like space invader style, uh, enemies that are dropping bombs on you. And they have a couple, yeah. you know, they have a couple of twists like there's one particular evil ship type that actually can blow a crater in front of you. So you have to react to all this different stuff. I was too young to coordinate everything in the video game. So what my, my dad and I did is he would pull up a chair over by the jump and fire buttons, and then he would stand and he would speed up and slow down to try to make sure that my timing on the jumps would be correct and I'd have time to shoot. And not only is that a really good memory of my dad and I, but I also realized when I was thinking about it is actually my very first co-op gaming experience. Because, you know, that sense, like, when you, like, we're playing a co-op game, as we sometimes do, and when we all get die at the same time, we all kind of turn around and look at each other, like, oh man, can you believe that shit just happened? Or, like, my dad had, and I had those moments, like, when, that ship would blow a crater and the jump was literally impossible and we'd fall in and it had this awesome animation of like the wheels falling off and this explosion. Um, really well animated for the day. And my dad and I would just kind of look at each other and laugh and we'd be like, you should have slowed down. He's like, you should have jumped faster. But it was all like laughing and, and mock kind of frustration. And uh, so, like I said, it, uh, that's kind of got it all. I mean, that was one of the very first uh, gaming experiences I can remember uh, at an old school arcade with my dad. First co-op experience. That's that is definitely a moment of uh, Geek Bliss.
0: I have not but played that a handful of times. I believe it uh And I almost said Chuck E. Cheese since they changed the name, but, I mean, it's truly... It's Showbiz uh, Pizza Place. Come on. Showbiz Pizza forever, oh, yeah. Dude. Yeah, I got a shirt that says that, too. Um, <laughs> Fuck Chuck E. Cheese. But, yeah, it. I definitely played that. I never played it um, co-op, though. How old were you when you were doing this?
2: I could have been older than five. I was not in school. But I could, it's so funny what you can remember. I can remember the Cigarette Burns... On the clear acrylic panel that, that, that was on, you know, that the keyboard surface was on. Because. Cool teenagers hanging out. Yeah, cause he was smoking. There was like ashtrays on the fucking, you know, console dash there. Cool wow. kids in their leather jackets. Heck yeah, the fawns hung out in the corner. But it was like, like I said, late 70s, early 80s. And, uh, my dad used to get home from work and we'd go there. He had the, the dude serve pizza and like beer and stuff. And we'd have a, a pizza and then we'd play. My dad would let me play a dollar's worth of games.
1: Man, a five-year-old should not be drinking
2: beer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Man, your dad's the coolest. Dude.
2: Beer, pizza, video games? Wow. I mean, that's the thing. It's like a lot of my... Sit down and
0: play some magic with us sometime.
2: I don't know. He's, it seems, the seems, needle. Like he's <laughs> seems like he's intrigued. seems like he's intrigued. So that was my moment. Uh, maybe you guys can talk about uh, something similar, or uh, I'm just going to pass it over to Peter for his moment.
0: Um one of the moments for me there's so many um and I know we we started out with gaming but uh and you know Jim's gonna hate this but <laughs> I would say one of my bliss moments was when I first was introduced to the hobbit. Ugh.
1: Oh Jesus.
0: Uh, well
2: I, I I got your back here Peter.
0: <laughs> All let right. It, so, let it flow. Uh, um I I kind of hated reading and I know we'll get into this maybe in a future episode of uh Blue Yonder, a, but, that
2: that surprises the hell out of me cuz you read so much now. I just want the listeners to know that actually is... That's as shocking as Jim announcing he hates fantasy.
0: (laughs) Well, um, I appreciate that, but it's true. Um, Up until, you know... uh, Well, I guess it's more years now than I'd like to recall, but it seems like recently. (laughs) I used to hate reading. It was this chore, this monotonous, boring activity to me. But the
1: thing that turned it all around for him, he met LeVar Burton in an alley. (laughs) 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 He,
2: He won you over when he said... Uh, don't take my word for it Peter <laughs> but don't take <laughs> but <Ba-dum-bum. laughs> how do I fuck up the delivery on that <laughs> what the... that was going to be epic
0: treating ah. rainbow oh. and then i was like yep. i can do anything um it uh it finally became interesting when i picked up the hobbit and i can still remember being in the same car as i as i exited the library with uh, with Jim Jones and he opens a book and he looks at like a chapter, like flops him and jets him, or I I might be pulling that out of the Lord of the Rings or something. And he's like, "What is this Hobbit?" <laughs> he starts ta- talking about um, um, uh, Bilbo Baggins and his bucket of Bobbits, <laughs> and that was right around the time that uh that the that the Bobbit guy had his penis cut off.
2: <laughs> and, <laughs> Are we going there? Is this That's where we where came from? That's where it <laughs> all right, goes. Take, I'm pumping the brakes but the crazy train's not stopping. <laughs>
0: uh, and despite this this afternoon of ridicule at my picking up the hobbit to read as he single-handedly tears to shreds every name of every chapter in that book, <laughs> um, the most memorable <laughs> being bilbo baggins of course in his bucket of bobbits. And to this day, I can still see, like, uh, a barrel filled up to the brim with uh, water and severed dicks. And I, I see, like, a, a furry-footed uh, hobbit, like, taking it happily, gaily back to his hobbit hole to, to eat. Or, or have some kind of a bobbing contest.
1: A stew. He's making a up stew, a stew.
0: if you will, of bobbits. Yep, so, bobbits uh, stew. I don't know how we, we went here, but <laughs> to, 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 You're to at do, the wheel back again, um, I would just like to say that that book, um, was one of the most entertaining, interesting books to me. And it led me right into the Lord of the Rings. And it's a debt that I'll always owe to the Hobbit because Lord of the Rings, um, now is one of my favorite fictional universes of all times. And, um, that's one of my bliss moments. I see. Jim.
1: Oh, I, I, I don't know what bliss is. I've never experienced I had the bliss, bliss region of your brain, removed? <laughs> yeah, I had it cut out when I was four. Suck my bliss. No, uh, I nice. thought of several moments when we were discussing this topic. And most of mine, unsurprisingly, I think, are gaming-related. Because I grew up around a lot of games. Um, and that was a big part of my childhood. And so a lot of these first experiences I had were with games. And, like, the first experience I had with a game which i think a lot of people probably have a similar experience is with super mario brothers oh, yeah. um yeah i mean that was a lot of people's first games
0: yeah i can remember uh, uh i can remember that as well that that would be one of mine uh just simply for the fact that my dad hooked it into the system i it seems like a lot of these go back to us and our fathers but uh i can yeah. remember it's my dad hooking in the nes system and it like took forever it was like you know go to your room i don't want you touching anything behind the tv i'll tell you when it's finished and, uh, well, I
1: think that was just partially your dad, too.
0: Probably. Um, <laughs> being, but, I mean, back then, hooking, you know, you didn't have these simple cool. AV cables where you just plug, no, 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 no. you know, match the colors and things. You actually had to unscrew, you know, the little fork-pinned uh, uh, connectors yeah, here. Yeah, and...
1: not on the NES, but, yeah, like on the Atari 2600. No, you totally had to do on it on
2: the NES if you didn't have an AV in. I had one of the auto-switching yep. RF. It's, no, it's, you had the
1: coax. It, no, it's not. No, nope. Yeah. No, I'm I'm 100 sure on this. I've had NES systems within the last year. Well,
2: then I will say yeah, I needed I an RF adapter because my TV was too shitty to have a coaxial cable input.
0: <laughs> yeah, so was ours. So was ours. Well, we okay. my, yeah, my, the it was TV cool. I played
2: the NES on had a fucking dial.
0: Yep, mine too. Yep.
2: I think we had one of those at some
0: point.
1: Well, kids, gather around on Grandpa's lap and don't get molested. But yeah, as far as Super Mario Brothers goes, I. I just remember the first time I sat down and played it, it was like something out of a fantasy world. It was, it was literally the first game I had ever, the first video game I had ever played. And, wow. Turning that game on and controlling a character on the screen was like, like I opened up a fucking wormhole and there was this whole other universe behind it. It, yeah. it was just something that blew my mind that you could possibly have this interaction with your television like that. Wow.
0: Yeah, I agree. You're used to just static images. You're not used to interacting with anything. And it's yeah, like, you're used oh, to kind I of being fed. And, <laughs> yeah,
1: here you it's are, like, like creating the TV show. Yeah, it was really mind blowing to me as a child. And I think that sense of, like, wonder and anything is possible with this platform has kind of stuck with me. And that's probably why I'm a coder to this day. Because um, I just, I I love that sense of freedom that it gives you that I can really make anything out of this.
0: Yes, that's how I felt about books after watching reading Rainbow <laughs> uh, i think I think a lot of people listening would be able to say that they can share that moment with with uh you Jim because uh, i can I oh, like yeah. It wasn't the first game I ever played, and clearly it wasn't Aaron's either um but it definitely was the first game I played at home um everything else was in this wonderful world called you know arcades and pizza shops like he was talking about, but uh, the first time I'd ever seen this magic in my living room, it was a special, special day. And I can still remember that See, you had the
1: advantage with arcade games because you're taller than me. When I was like four (laughs) years old, I couldn't reach the arcade. Uh, Yeah. See, my dad, when I was
2: was talking about the missile I told you he actually dragged a chair over from the table, so I stood on the chair. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, my sister uh, was better than me at Mario Brothers there. Holy
1: shit. Taste it
0: and she picks up the controller and shows me how to do it, and I'm like, holy shit, when she got to the castle at the end of the level 1-1, one, one, I was like, you just beat the game in like 30 seconds! Because I didn't have a concept a level, of progression, Brian. you know? I didn't know there were levels. I thought, that's it, because I was so amazed at level 1-1, one, one, right? I thought, this has to be the whole package, because I could spend hours, you know, jumping around and hitting blocks in this <laughs> first fucking area. And that was my first exposure to levels.
1: Yep. And now you're grinding levels like it's your fucking
0: job. <laughs> yeah, I am. Nine to five, man. <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, I can clearly remember that being one of the most amazing things about Mario, was the fact that it seemed like how could you have more magic than level 1-1? One, one? Level 1-1 one, one is perfect. How could <laughs> you possibly add to perfection? And the game had barely started.
1: Yeah, you had a lot more levels to go.
0: <laughs> it was actually beat the second Mario Brothers, which is really... Uh, we've talked about this in, in uh, the old show Power Play, about how it's not really Super Mario, Mario Brothers 2. Listeners, got- if yeah. you
2: don't know that Super Mario Brothers 2 is not really Super Mario Brothers, I want you to shut the podcast off right now. Yes. And don't you fucking listen to it with your <laughs> filthy, filthy, ignorant <laughs> sluttiers again.
1: We are keeping You're track of You're not worthy.
2: You're not worthy of our show if you don't know that fucking game was some fucking bullshit Japanese game hijacked with Mario to feed our American insatiable need for Mario's cock.
1: Yep. What? Yep. I don't know what he's <laughs> talking about, but it sounds good to me. Doki Doki, Doki, to. Doki, Doki, Doki Doki Panic. Doki Doki Panic. Never give hey.
0: up. Yeah, we were fed a bunch of shit, and that's only because they thought the real Super Mario Bros. 2 was too similar to the first one. You can still play it this, to this day as the Lost And levels. too hard. Um, I too have different. not beat the Lost Levels. That's the only way because I Because it's very fucking it. hard. It is. it is. It is very challenging. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know. Anything Point else lost. you want to talk about that, uh, that sticks out as a key moment in your geek past? Uh, era,
2: um, Yeah, I just want to add that Mario, similar, I've been kind of quiet, but it blew me away as well because growing up on the Commodore 64 and the Atari, you could have very well animated objects or you could have detailed objects, but you sure as hell couldn't have both. In Defender of the Crown, you could have this beautiful static rendering image in uh, Defender of the Crown, but that's what it is, a static image. Mario had these incredibly detailed sprite graphics that moved quickly and smoothly, multiple things online, destructible environments. It was just such, oh, such an awesome game. Um, definitely, I remember playing many, many, many quarters at the local Pizza Hut because that actually came out in the arcade before it was released for the home system.
1: Yeah, they actually had a multiplayer version of it, which I would love to get my hands on.
2: I would love to have, like, as the one I played was a tabletop version. Oh, You know, in nice. one of those old Rose. Yeah, yeah, the that, cocktail that would tables. S- oh, that'd be so awesome to have in the house. You know, I was thinking just to kind of go a little bit more recent, because we're talking, digging way deep in our past. Oh, yeah. Um, and also away from video games. First time that I saw the movie Matrix, The Matrix in The Theater. The what? And the movie The Matrix. What's
1: that? The movie The Theater in The Matrix, right? <laughs>
2: yes. <laughs> Um, but if you don't recall, they did this really interesting marketing campaign with the matrix where you re- literally did not know what the hell it was about. You know, they showed like some action stuff and some fantastic stuff and some stuff that looked like it was in a real world. But then all of a sudden these people do this crazy, you know, like mo- they jump off a building or, you know, would would dodge bullets and bullet time. And you're like, what the fuck can this be about? What in the world can <laughs> it be about? And so I remember I was uh, with my significant other at the time. We were in Ohio visiting her parents. And, you know, she was going to go do some bullshit thing. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to go check out The Matrix. Because she didn't really have any interest in seeing it. So I actually, one of the rare movie experiences I went to by myself, played in the packed house opening weekend, and, my God, it dropped my jaw to the floor. It made me want to do Kung Fu.
0: Um,
2: it just set my imagination on fire. I came home, uh or to my uh sister-in-law's house. I found some blank paper, and I started drawing. And I hadn't drawn. Like, I used to be a really avid sketcher, fairly decent at art, and, you know, growing up and getting, uh, being being in relationships and getting married and getting jobs and stuff, it kind of beat that out of me. I hadn't drawn for, like, five years, and it single-handedly made me pick up a piece of, paper and pencil and start sketching cool things and it just the revelation of the reality of what living in the matrix was um the philosophical questions it raised because i've never really been interested in philosophy uh and still to this day that's one of my levels of education is kind of stunted and the ideas that it it raised in someone's you know uh blank canvas mind It was just waiting for those types of things to come into it. It just, wow. And I I remember coming home, and my wife at the time walked in the door, and I'm like, we are going to see this movie again tomorrow. (laughs) Not even really her cup of tea, and we went to go see it the next day, and it blew her away, too. So, you know, again, like Star Wars, sometimes the sequels slash prequels can take a little bit of shine uh, off the original, but my god, the, seeing the Matrix, the original Matrix in the theater for the first time opening weekend, if you were not spoiled, was a kick in the ass.
0: The one thing I can add to that particular, uh, experience is when I saw the Matrix, it was the first time I'd seen a rated R movie in the theaters. And, <laughs> uh, that's uh, a, that's a good one to start with. Yes. Not only was that one of the best science fiction films I'll ever see in my life, but it was, um, at the time, and we we revisit this movie all of us um, a lot of times just to laugh at. <laughs> oh wait, no, <laughs> but, dude! Oh shit! Sorry, did I spoil it? We 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 can't unleash that to all the right, world. Fine. Uh well, You have to bleep well, that. Don't forget I said that. All right, cool. <laughs> so yeah, um, first rated R movie I ever saw. One of the best science fiction movies I've ever seen. Blew my imagination. It actually, you know, got the paddles out, charged my imagination back to life again. Um, I wish there was a movie that would come out and do that again because my imagination's dead. Um, but have you seen Avatar
2: in 3D? <laughs>
0: I have seen Avatar in 3D. Oh
2: wow! Didn't you know? That uh, didn't wow. tickle me.
0: Um, it didn't suck on the same nut as Matrix did. Well, for sure.
1: Could you imagine Matrix in 3D?
0: No. <laughs> on IMAX no, I can't. Holy I
1: literally gosh. cannot imagine that. My brain especially, is incapable,
2: especially since uh, <laughs> the aforementioned uh, <laughs> oh, would be. Oof. Would, in full 3D would be devastating. God. The yeah.
0: are incredibly that. fast, accurate, and stupid. Human beings are incredibly slow, inaccurate, and brilliant. Together they are powerful beyond imagination.
1: What are you talking so about? So said
0: Einstein, and I think that theory came through in the Matrix, except the dark side of that theory. What do uh, you think, Jim?
1: Einstein didn't know anything. I guess the <laughs> dumb is <as> a <laughs> box <overrated>. of rocks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright, so the uh, Matrix for sure. <laughs> I was actually yeah, I, with Jim Jones.
1: Yeah, we were, we were together. We saw that one, uh, at the same time. And yeah, I, I would assume this is another one where everyone who saw that movie will have like the same experience where they were just literally floored by this movie.
0: Not exactly. Do you remember someone we used to work with, uh, at a retail store, Jim, named Chris? Uh, Chris, again, I'm uh, avoiding guy. last names. Fat guy, bald head. Yeah, uh, really I know cr- Chris. Cool. You it? know Chris. He hated the yeah. Matrix. He left the theater God. hating the Matrix. That's
1: crazy. What an idiot. Why? Thought, Why? Did he, he ever hype. justify this to you?
0: He said it was a big hype because... Um,
1: well, there uh, was a lot of hype, yes. Well, Does that make it bad? W- w-
0: this was his He's dude. a hipster. <laughs> he's a
1: geek hipster, goddammit. He's not it? even a geek. He's an asshole.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. This is your Gerstmann. Yeah, hey, if he doesn't
1: like the Matrix, he's an asshole. I, I
0: kind of think he's an asshole, too, just for not liking the Matrix, but I still think he's a cool guy. Um his his views I think are totally irrelevant and when you'll hear this part you'll puke. He thought episode 1 of Star Wars was by far better. <laughs> Than the Matrix, and this is why. Oh
2: my God! I thought he was going to say far better than like Return of the Jedi. I'm like, okay, I can almost see that. No, even that's a false. No, I mean it's a reach, but I'm saying I can, I can see, I can see what planet he's on from here.
1: No, the only thing I'm reaching for is my gun right now because that (laughs) makes me want to die. Just the thought that someone could possibly like that movie more than the Matrix.
0: Jack into the loading program, man. You're getting Uh, if if
2: you're under if you're under ten, maybe.
0: No, he was. He, he's like <laughs> ten years
2: older than. Us. If you're a gun no, I, I, I guy, possibly, that. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, I mean, what what his opinion on it was is that when it came to like visual effects revolution, he thought that I'll took go. place in episode go. one.
2: Oh my no. god! Wrong, he, wrong. Well, I mean, no, episode he one definitely time? helped raise the bar, and it actually
0: it Lucas did change was right. things. I mean, Lucas
2: make... was right. Everyone makes movies this way. The digital revolution has pretty much blown up. Um, Big movie making in Hollywood.
0: Yeah, and I don't think it's been a good thing by and large, unless it's done correctly. Like for like example, in Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings, where they use miniatures, they use CG, mm-hmm. they blend different special or effects. Or Avatar, out. for that matter. I think I, Avatar is more Episode one-ish, honestly. Because think right, of things that blew let's, my let's, mind
1: in in uh, Lord of the Rings, I think it's in Return of the King. Um, the the giant white wall of a city. Yeah. What uh, what is that called? There's
0: Tirith? What's the name of that? Yeah.
1: Yes, yes. That blew my mind because that was CG and that looked was actually totally. A model. real. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot yeah, of CG no, work no, down there. Well, Not probably, the but yes, the, the core, absolutely. The poor thing a was, a,
2: was a, about a probably a 15, 20 foot model. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but there, when they were fighting and it was getting blown to hell, there was tons of CG. Sure, yeah. Are you kidding I me? Know, you right. But I, I, I mean, think they're... you'd be
2: surprised at how much of that was actually real that they just zoomed in really close on an incredibly micro detailed large-scale model, and... uh You're right, I would be surprised if that well, were true. <laughs> no, I mean, you ought to see the special, special <laughs> editions well, at where the, the actually show... Look yeah. at the four-disc right. set. And, and by the way, would not the Tower of... Uh, the, the Tower of Baradur look awesome in my living room? <laughs>
1: what? I don't think it would fit in your living room.
2: Oh, it would in front of the fireplace?
0: I have That's actually a 24-foot peak, baby. Um, I actually saw when it came through town that tower... Yeah, um, I did too at the uh, museum here in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that oh, well, exhibit I've called? I've taller than that. What
2: are you talking oh, about? It's called Lord of the Rings. It was
1: called the. I thought it was called like Lord of the Rings the Experience or something like that. Yeah, the experience. Uh, inventive name, good name.
0: <laughs> <laughs> see how much he hates on fantasy. He I do, like yeah, the, but he was amazed at he the movies. The movies, I know it doesn't make That's it any. That's the sense. weird
1: thing. Like I. I totally ridiculed the books, and I Jim kind of Jones, enjoyed. The and play. he's ridiculing the, the the
2: exhibit
0: of a
1: museum thing based on the movies. That's the best part.
0: Yes, yeah. But see, they were they, with they with were good
1: it. as movies. What Only really the prism
0: am- of a movie. What really amazed me at wow. the exhibit was when they had the replica of the huge bucket of bobbits that Bilbo carries around.
2: That was <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. That was amazing. Yeah, totally.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah, man. This guy oh, plays boy. Magic the Gathering. He loves The Legend of Zelda. He's watched all the Lord of the Rings movies and loves them. But he hates fantasy, guys. Watch out. Yep. Fantasy sucks. <laughs> I
1: will not read fantasy books. Now Sorry. let's go
0: play Zelda and watch Lord of the Rings, Jim. <laughs> yep.
1: So what what, were, what was the tangent we were on?
2: The bald guy. Yeah, the, the the bald guy. Oh, Chris. We, we established as an idiot asshole. Uh, thought and, something. Yeah, get, he was actually think, a very well cool,
0: it. nice guy. I mean, he just thought that the fact that they had the computer-generated cloth over the gunguns, and how the cloth moved <laughs> with the wind when they walked,
1: uh-huh. he thought And the that... jiggle in Yoda's ears. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> you get the ear jiggle.
0: I mean, how the jiggle looked just like the puppet. He thought it was amazing. Yeah. and uh, that the you know how long in...
1: Lucas spent on that ear jiggle. Billion
0: many Bothans died to bring us this jiggle. <laughs> I just think that... Uh, uh, I I kind of see where he's coming from in the fact that episode one had the first true, fully realized CG character. No,
2: don't try to draw common ground with this insanity. You'll just fall down the hole yourself.
0: (laughs) I guess. I mean, how deep does the rabbit hole go? I
2: mean, the Phantom Menace special effects were good. No doubt. I think they were a little too clean. You know, I I missed the kind of gritty model look. But Matrix sold a reality. you, You actually forgot there were special effects. I actually think Bullet Time... Is the worst special effect in the movie because it's the one thing when you see it, it consciously takes you out of the movie and makes you realize, oh, I'm watching a movie. Yeah.
1: But when they're, they're jumping stuff, around on the walls and. No, the Wire Foo was and, done yeah. so well. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: It's so incredible. The, and I think Wire Foo has been done really bad and really good in, in years since. But that, they they made it outrageous, but not so outrageous that you didn't believe Mm-hmm. Like, you see some things now where, like, people bicycle kick over, like, a football field. Like, cha-cha-cha-cha, you know?
1: Yeah. That looks stupid. But that's the stuff that pulled... they did, you know, in The Matrix, I thought was was believable. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think... that That's the kind of stuff that pulled me out of movies like uh, Crouching Tiger Hidden Asshole. Yes, like when that they movie, started cause... dancing on bamboo. Yeah, when there's flying around, like, I, I don't know. I just couldn't get into that movie. I mean,
0: they definitely weren't touching the twigs they were walking on enough to sustain their body. Exactly.
2: I mean, that, yeah. that I actually thought that idea was awesome, but they didn't have the wire food necessary to pull it off.
0: Right. I agree with that totally, and The Matrix did. The uh, Matrix also, uh, just thematically, was just a bad... It was so much cooler. I mean, having people in leather coats with machine guns... And oh martial fuck yeah! Arts and Running action. from
2: men in black that had yeah. giant fucking desert eagles and yeah. new kung fu. Oh, oh.
0: Absolutely amazing. And that, what blew my mind in Matrix was the themes of the picture. I mean, you have this whole yeah. idea that humanity is is under a spell, if you will. They're baffled. They they don't realize the world in front of them is completely fictitious. To me, that's kind of a, a subconscious like. Milestone in my life. I really do look back at The Matrix as like, you know, I always, I always like, when I would leave a viewing of The Matrix, was like, wow, I really kind of feel that way about the world. It's almost like there's something about the place we don't know. Also, too, one of the most shocking moments in movie history is where at the beginning of the film, um, Trinity's running for that phone booth. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. And there's a fucking truck, running right its right. engine, ready to smash <laughs> and you're her like a damn important phone call. I was like, God, take a message. What the hell could it possibly be? I mean, order a pizza from Domino's instead of pizza, let it go. What could it possibly be that's worth your life? And you don't even get to talk to them. Oh my God. Like, like she, you thought, like it's they like, killed man. her, but but she got by with picking up the, the phone off the hook, you know? <laughs> right. God, yeah, maybe so it's, let let like, thinking, it's like, and I was thinking, like,
2: what, did, did she, like, transfer some kind of knowledge that was like, were those the Death Star plans or something? <laughs> I mean, is that going to be some moral victory? It was the Guinness
1: World Record for longest telephone ring, and uh, she spoiled it.
2: And then I started thinking, well, maybe they just killed her to show, like, anybody can die in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Trinity's you know? actually a boss. It's kind of right? like from the original Psycho, when they killed the, uh, what's
1: her name, Janet... Jackson,
2: no, it's big movie star to cast in this in Psycho, and she was killed. She was the very first victim,
0: right? And then yeah. that
2: set that like Hitchcock knew that would like put the reader on red fucking alert because oh god, anybody can die,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Nothing's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's an excellent way to ramp up the tension, and it definitely gets your mind working. Like when I saw that scene, my mind was on for the rest of the movie. Like let's I... shoot
2: Jim in the head. What? Then let's shoot let's shoot Jim in the head right now. That way the podcast listeners will know, fuck,
1: anybody can die. <laughs> anybody on this cast, no one is safe on no this cast. No one is safe.
2: Hell, Jim was the director. Pow!
1: <laughs> Bam,
0: he's gone. <laughs> and I am Peter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then there was wow. one. Click, 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 click. No. All right. Uh so one of my bliss moments was when I was shot on the podcast. <laughs> Didn't see that For that there is a heaven, and I snuck in somehow. <laughs>
0: Anyway, know. yeah, we
1: can talk about The Matrix for literally hours.
2: Yeah. Future podcast oh, session, I would actually like to talk about The Matrix trilogy and how... Yeah, we will. I've recently watched it again, and I went from being di- disappointed in the tr- sequels to actually now when I saw them again after literally years of not and has watched them straight through to being, walking away slightly impressed. I'm not yeah, going to say they were as good as original Matrix or they fulfilled all the potential or answered all the questions... But I think the questions they did answer and, and the things that they did raise are interesting of themselves. Once I got over the Disappointment, that actually, that the real, you know, my expectations, the real movie stepped forward, and I think the real movie's good.
0: Yeah, I would just like if I could say something to that, Aaron. Um, just the fact that I kind of agree with you, um, and I've kind of figured it out, and I can make it real concise, is that when I first saw The Matrix, you know, it had its, its twists, its turns, its tragedy but it ended right. on a very positive note, and I thought I was getting into a trilogy that was going to discover the themes of liberation of mankind from their yes. Yeah. And instead what I got was a picture that was giving me the exact opposite story of that there is, is no way, way out. out. Yep. And the story, instead of being cheery, was hopeless. And that's what kind of threw me, I think, thematically for a loop when it came to the Sequels, and since I finally got it, it's kind of like only years after watching Episode One, Phantom Menace, was I actually not scarred enough to be able to talk about the movie? It's uh, it's had this stew on me for the last decade or so, but now I can finally like say, okay, I was disappointed, but they were actually pretty decent pictures.
2: Agreed. And let's table it for there, and we can pull that. We can pull more meat off those bones.
0: Okay. Sounds good.
2: And I think, are we rotating back to you, Peter? You got, you got another moment of bliss for us.
0: Um, yes. I mean, so far we've had some video game moments. Um, what was the name again of that that game? Moonlander.
2: Moon Patrol.
1: Moon Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like
0: Moon Patrol um, we've had the first experience playing Super Mario Brothers. Um, we've had books. We've had movies. I'm going to run it back. Um, and say the circle is now complete by getting it on to gaming again. And one of getting my on first—that's
2: um, a—that's a that's milestone in of, of gaming bliss. Getting it on with gaming. There's your key bliss right game. there, baby. Oh yeah. First time my first time my girlfriend fucking sucked me off while I was playing Mario oh, Brothers. I'm, I'm about to shoot myself on this podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Dual shot of four.
2: Oh, picked up the um, fireflower, ba- the, the fireflower, baby. Oh. Fireflower. So I like the good. first one better, the Fire Plower.
0: One of the... Uh, <laughs> uh, no there, comment on the... I can't get love for the Fire Plower? No, I'm trying to, I'm trying to pretend you're not speaking, actually. yeah, that's um, an awesome so the te- audience said, that's, at an this awesome, point. that's
2: an awesome t-shirt idea for the store. We're Thank
0: never gonna God have. Jim can make it so.
1: Fire Plower. Make it show, number one. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we're, ta- we're talking about Gaming Bliss? Is Gaming
0: right? Bliss. Fire Fire Wing Fire. Commander 3. Oh... Yes. For the first time, I saw an interactive, like I would read books that were actually interesting, that were uh, uh, choose-your-own-adventure novels. They were some of my most favorite, and um, it's because there was this level of interactivity between the book and you. Um, the first time I ever experienced that in a game or a movie or any medium was Wing Commander 3 over at uh, my famous cousin, Ace Jace's house. Um if you wanted yeah. to dignify it by calling it a house instead of corrupted a Corrupted many a
2: youth over at that hellacious box of his.
0: Right. And amidst all the roaches, cat hair, and body odor. Come on. I experienced one of the coolest uh one of the coolest games that I will ever remember, and that's Wing Commander Three. And seeing Mark Hamill, you know, Luke Skywalker, actually lend himself to a project was also pretty fascinating too.
1: Was there uh-huh. anyone telling him to stay on target? You're too close.
2: <laughs> you know, though, uh, i, I got to play the guy card on you here, Peter, and say that the most significant thing you remember is Mark Hamill. What about Ginger Lynn? They had a porn star in that game, you know, sexing up wow. uh, Luke Skywalker. But uh,
0: Really? I didn't know that. And you know, interestingly
2: that. enough, I didn't think she was the hottest the hottest girl either.
0: Wow, I'm going to have to look this up now that I have Yeah,
2: Ginger Lynn, Wing Commander 3. I will say that I agree, and I was a Wing Commander fan back of Wing Commander 1. I mean, I remember me and Ace Jace's cousin, Nathan, we rigged up this computer that was barely powerful enough to play it, didn't have a sound card, and got it to run in his most limited mode, and it was just so awesome. An outer space flight simulator. The last one of which we played was Elite for the Commodore 64, which is a wireframe vector based graphic game. The graphics sucked and we played the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. Here's this thing in beautiful 256 colors, VGA graphics. Uh, we got an Audigy sound card like the, that next weekend. We pooled our money and all this beautiful MIDI music was streaming out the speakers. There's realistic sound effects. It had a story, uh, with like, you know, the Hollywood dungeon. nicely, nicely rendered cutscenes. I'm not talking about Wing Commander 3 yet. I'm saying. <laughs> This is how Jones I was about the original Wing Commander. And uh, Wing Commander 3 came out and it had a modern space flight engine it had this really well done big budget special effects quality, I mean, way better uh, I'm not sure what compression format they used, but it looked so much better than any digital video you'd ever seen in a game before. Um, it spanned like four discs, CDs at a time, which is like unheard of. It had at least two plot twists that were amazing. And it also spawned one of my very favorite video games, which didn't have this quite, uh, the same level of list because it was kind of more the same only better, it was Wing Commander 4. The Price of Freedom is in one of my, is definitely in my top 10 for video games.
1: The Price of Freedom, my god, that's a generic title. It's like <laughs> Resurrection or Returns.
0: Or Phantom Menace. <laughs> or Attack of the Clones. The Price of Freedom is Eternal Vigilance.
2: Or Return of the Jedi or Revenge of the Sith, or Revenge of the Jedi, or Return of the Sith. What
0: is it? I have a shirt that says both. Um, That, that, and I also wanted to remark about how... um, I don't know. I I mean, I guess we only get one per go, but I I had two this time. The other one was... uh,
2: Well, I I think I got another one, too, so why don't we just go around for one more round. I think we got the time.
0: Okay, one more round. Let's uh, let's pass the bottle on to, uh, to Jim Jones.
1: One more round. I will always have one more round. (laughs) I haven't done the father-son bonding stories yet, so I guess I could do one of those. All mine go back to my childhood. I guess I had some of my most fond moments of gaming back when I was a kid. But we used to go all the time. We used to go to Toys R Us. Mm. Uh, And Toys R Us, I don't know how many kids today know really what Toys R Us is or was... In the, in the time, because I think it's just a hollow shell of what it was back in the 80s right now.
0: So I haven't um, been since the 80s, so... <laughs> yeah, it's
1: been a while since I've been, but last time I was there, they, they don't do things the same way. For instance, one of the things that I loved about Toys R Us when I was a kid, and we were going to look at video games, is the Toys R Us never had video games on the shelves. The Toys R Us had a wall... They had like those flip had, card. Deals. On the, yes, envelopes and flip cards with like the cover <laughs> of the game printed out, and <laughs> you you would look at the game if you like it had the front and back. You could flip it over and read about it all and see the pictures of the game and everything.
0: And, they had and those then those tickets. Yes, and then and it then it was like a damn game store.
1: You grabbed the ticket from yeah. the the pouch and you took it up to the front and they got the game from behind the counter. Oh, I totally um. forgot about that until you just
2: <laughs> the the moment you said they don't have normal shelves. Yeah. I was like. <sighs> Transported back,
1: and that's awesome. not the case anymore. Now they have them yeah. all out there on the shelves, just like any other retail behind store. Behind glass that you can't touch or flip over. Or anything. Yeah, yeah. But for some reason, yeah. I don't understand why that was such a big deal to me and why I loved it so much. Because I did. It too. would really be better to have the game there to look at, right? I mean, you would think, but for some reason, I love these tickets, and because it, it, it always felt like I was getting a treasure when I. Got this ticket and <laughs> took it up and redeemed it. It was like almost like a game in, its, a in and of itself, right? Yeah, you're you're redeeming a prize,
0: like a, yeah. you got it from skee ball. And, and yeah, so, there's like, this, there's this mysterious excitement that could come with it,
1: for sure. And and one of my, well, many of my fondest moments are just like going with my dad and looking at all the games. And I can remember how excited I got about these games, and my dad was right there alongside me because he, I mean, he didn't play a lot of games, but he just loved to. The whole atmosphere of it, like getting us games and watching how much fun we were having. I'm sure you guys have the same experience with your kids now, oh, yeah. where it was something that really makes them Very happy, similar, makes you just happy.
0: not as frequent. We were poor.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, my my dad bought tons. I think when we were growing up, we had like 75 Nintendo games, which if that
2: you, is an obscene library, it, it I really think
1: was. There were kids who 12. literally had three.
0: Yeah, I had like four games for years. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> I mean, precious.
1: And that's why I say we did this a lot, and I remember it, because we would always go to Toys R Us and get new games. And, and, and that was just something that I really loved. And to go along with that, um, another game-related thing with my dad, what he used to do when he was getting us games, is he would, if we weren't there at the store with him, he would get the game, he would bring it home, and he would hide it somewhere in the house.
2: Uh-huh. So someplace <laughs> you'd stumble across it in and, and everyday activity?
1: No, 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 no. He would make it into, like, a scavenger hunt so he, he would like hide all these different games and toys and stuff in the house and we would have to go find them to find our present and, awesome. and it, it really like like picking up a ticket and redeeming it became a game in and of itself and I had a lot of fun with that and I just remember it really fondly
2: Some something I'm going to try with my kid is it's like, kids are so <laughs> easy to inspire joy in that it becomes addictive like you're like man how else can I make him have that sense of wonderment and fun Because, like, as an adult, you have to be whipped up into a frenzy to experience that kind of just easy joy. and Yeah, you get jaded. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's a way to experience it secondhand by seeing how this ridiculously happy, Mm -hmm. like, tickling them makes them. Or (laughs) chasing them, you Mm -hmm. know. My God, kids love to be chased. They go insane with with pleasure (laughs) for being chased. You don't even have to catch them. Just chase them. And they just giggle and, like... You think they're going to fall down, they're running so fast? That's crazy.
0: Yeah, I don't feel that way unless I'm on my third needle full of heroin. <laughs> yeah, no joke. <laughs> uh, to be a kid again. Yeah,
1: so that is one of my bliss moments. Pretty
0: awesome, and a great idea. I think I'm going to also, like uh, Aaron, take that up as a uh, pastime to pass along to my next generation here.
1: Yeah, I know I certainly enjoyed it.
0: Okay, well uh, now we get back to you, Aaron. You got uh, you another. All right, you had another this is the placement. final
2: lap. If we were playing a racing game, we would say three slash three, and there'd be a like white flag flying.
0: Yes, um, all your cooldowns.
2: That's right, and uh, <laughs> hit the nitro. <laughs> hit the nitro button. Red shells going um, now. My next third moment of geek bliss is sitting in the first grade in computer class, which actually was a small section of the library that they had segmented away with like these old creaky tables and they had about six trash 80s set up. Um, the ones that you plugged into the, to the TV that had little cartridges you loaded in the side. And, um, they would take our classes, divide us by six and take us down there at a time and we get 30 minutes on the computer. And I don't know what they were trying to teach us, but (laughs) what we did is insert this cartridge called logo. Or it might have been logos. And when you loaded it, you saw this little, uh, triangle, Logos? kinda like asteroid, uh, Yeah, The word like, of God? Yes, yes, the yes. The name yes, yes.
0: of God? <laughs> <laughs>
2: but Jehovah spelled with an I in that. So anyway, the they had this little triangle on the screen, kinda like to ship from asteroids, and you would type in, like these coordinates, and the what they called the turtle would go to that coordinate on the screen. And then you could type another command, then he would like drop a line, and then the next t- place you told him to go, he would leave a line behind. So you and by basically alternating played Etch a Sketch. You were playing Etch a Sketch. It's <laughs> kind of like playing MS Paint <laughs> with oh, okay. by telling it by telling it GPS coordinates. But it was so awe inspiring the fact that like I'd played at that point Pong and maybe some Atari twenty six hundred, but not only was it something on the screen doing what I told it to do. But I was actually, this is like, I was talking to the machine. The machine understood me and did did what I wanted to do without me actually having to take a stick and say, I want you to go left. I want you to fire the button right now. I actually gave it some sort of language. It interpreted that language and did what I told it to do. And that's what made me a programmer. I knew from that day forward I needed to do something with computers and how, what kind of awesome power that was. Just that simple little program. And... I remember sitting there because I was addicted to computer lab. I you could sign up to take bonus courses and stuff, and I would go in to Byte magazine and I go into the old trash eighty, the TRS eighty, Tandy computer models. They'd come with books that they'd have like just dense pages of code that was just basically number 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 comma number 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 comma number 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 go to number 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 comma number number you know just endless points of that stuff, and you'd hit execute, and that that turtle would just fly. And he would do like a spiral graph pattern or he would do like a snowflake pattern. And it was I, – I I would have to spend and, – and again, you didn't have any way to save. Yeah, there was no yeah. disk. It was just a cartridge. It was read-only memory. And if I didn't get that damn thing typed in before the class was over, teachers, time up to power off your machines. I was like, no. So it's like it was always a race. And if I could get it and get like a snowflake pattern, that felt so satisfying. And uh, again – that's what made me the uh, that that's what spawned my entire somewhat illustrious career in IT. Yeah. Uh, the fact that uh, I played Logos on a Trash eighty.
0: Wow, that is definitely a geeky experience.
2: Uh, so that's my third moment of bliss, uh, Peter. You got another?
0: Uh huh. I was thinking of uh, when uh, there there are certain degrees of of gaming um, interactivity that people remember, and I can recall recently hearing uh, a keynote address of uh Will Wheaton at PAX 2007 where he is uh quoted as saying you know he we'll remembers we have
2: an exclusive interview with
0: we hope um, <laughs> <laughs> uh how he remembers back in the 1980s in that uh smoke-filled diner or bar wherever it was he, he first heard a computer talk to him uh, because it was uh, it was old uh
2: Satan's Hollow, wasn't
0: it? Uh, No, it was uh, Wizards of War or something of war. Uh,
2: Oh, it wasn't Satan's Hollow either. It was... uh, Insert uh,
0: quarters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, he was just going on and on this passionate description of his first experience with with a game interacting with him in the way of it speaking to him. And I can remember a similar experience, although mine's kind of later on in 1998 when I set down and I put in uh, Metal Gear Solid in my PlayStation 1. This is the first time I had played a game on the DualShock controller. The first time I had a controller that not only had two joysticks, but also had some kind of a vibration or rumble feature, and I thought that was kind of a gimmick and didn't think much of it until I played Metal Gear Solid. And in that game, they used the rumble feature to some astounding uh, effect. I mean, like, there was this one scene... In the game where uh, the main character, one of the main characters, Meryl, she gets uh, possessed by one of the villains, Psycho Mantis. And she falls down, collapses to the floor, and I'm all kind of really concerned about her well-being more so than almost any character I've, I've gamed with up until that point. Because these characters were real. I mean, they were well-written. They had great personalities, great voice acting. And, uh, I can remember when, um, you see Solid Snake reach down, and touch, um, Meryl's neck. And you can feel, like, I'm wondering if she's alive or dead. And he reaches down. You feel
2: the pulse. Um,
0: touches her neck and you feel her, her heartbeat in the controller.
2: That's right. No way. <laughs> that you, is rad.
0: I was like, holy shit. And they didn't say a word. He just silently feels her, her neck. You feel the pulse. So it communicates to you, the gamer, that yeah, relax. She's okay. And then he takes her, his hand off her neck. Looks back up at the villain, just no emotion, doesn't reveal anything through the sound or his expression, and then the fight begins. I wonder if anybody missed
1: that cue. Like they were, they put down the controller to grab a bag of Cheetos or something. Or some controllers don't support vibration. (laughs) Like I have a Nerf, I have a Nerf Dual Shock that doesn't. Yeah, the original PlayStation didn't. The original. PlayStation controller so
2: unless about, you had the unless snakes. you had the add-on or the newer con- the controllers, yeah, that'd it's be a nice. very
0: confusing moment later in the fight. Then, when he tells you to lay the controller on the ground, and he like makes it like ra- like he rattles it, and it's he's supposed to do <laughs> it would something do with nothing, it.
1: you just sit there staring at a controller. Okay, <laughs> now what, Snake? Thanks a lot, jackass.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can read your mind. Um, just a, an amazing, it's the first time that, uh, I actually had the plot of a game communicated to me through that medium. I can't think of a better use actually. Well, plus
2: your hands were his hands. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That totally almost broke the fourth wall. And you, you, talking about immersion. I'm mean, Like I said, that's one weak area in my gaming history. The, like, PlayStation, um, uh, Nintendo 64 through PS1 hardly played any of it. So it's like that, and that's one of the reasons. I played the original Metal Gear, thought it was fucking awesome, and Nintendo. Yeah. I haven't played any of the newer ones because I, I, so I feel like I can't play any unless I play the first, and the first one's PS1, so... Yeah.
0: The first Metal Gear Solid game, I think, is the best of the Metal Gear Solid series. Because I know that all of us have the same skill, and that skill is if we are playing a game that was 20 years ago, I think uh, Aaron, uh, me, you, and uh, Jim... All kind of consider what we're doing. Um, with that in mind, with the fact that it's, uh, whenever I play a Nintendo yeah. game, I'm not like this game's graphics suck, you know, because I really Every once in a while, I was, will. Yeah, I can compare them too, but most of the time, I just appreciate when it was made and how sure. great or terrible it was for sure, the for time the that it came out in. Right. And if you can do that with Metal Gear Solid uh, for the PlayStation One, then that's a that's a hell of an experience. I'd say even to this day, uh, it's one of my favorite games ever made, and uh, that was one of the best. It was the first time I'd ever had something that I was vitally concerned with in a video game communicated to me in in this new way. I mean, I. I'd had games talk to me, I'd interacted with them, as far as the, you know, like Wing Commander, where you have the choices, I've, I played games with joysticks, with keyboard and mouse, with trackballs, with, you know, I had done all of this, and then finally I'm getting to interact with the game through this, what I thought was a, a relatively benign and important rumble feature. Yeah, so yeah. when Nintendo comes out with Smell-O-Vision, oh, just, uh, wait. To just be ready. Oh, God. We, we Mario smell- Ware.
1: I don't want to play aware with that feature. <laughs> Wario's ripping farts in my face. Oh, God. I'm having to that wave them definitely... away with the wand. My
2: moment of Geek Get Bliss was when, not... the game, when the game first stunk at me. <laughs>
1: yeah, first time I smelled Mario's farts... That, that's like it
2: opened oh, up my, my eyes. Oh, What
0: the nasty cake, a <laughs> peach man?
2: Well, we got time for one more, Jim. If you got
1: it, can you dig deep. Um, yeah. You know what? I don't have to dig very deep at all. I can actually hit the very surface of my gaming bliss here, or my geek bliss here, because uh, I experienced geek bliss just this very day.
0: Holy this very shit! Day.
1: Yes. Are you kidding? I am not kidding you. Don't bullshit
0: um, our listeners, just because it's a podcast, it's supposed to be real.
1: I mean, their ears are full of shit already, they're listening to us, but, um, yeah, today I was watching, I am I know both of you have seen this, I was watching
0: Plan 9 the final episode,
1: no. <laughs> uh, although they're remaking that, have you seen the previews for Plan 9 movie? No, I have not. Oh my, god. Oh my god, you need to see it, it looks amazing. Oh god, I gotta see <laughs> like, it. I, I'm Damn, not even joking. It. it looks like a fantastic movie.
2: Oh, I can't wait. That's going to be awesome. Anyway,
1: that, that's not my geek bliss. Both of you have seen this. It's the final episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. The two-parter. All good things. Uh, all good yeah. things, yes. Yeah. I have things. to say, I, I watched that just today, and I have to say, that may be one of the best series finale shows I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, totally. For sure, I have the to way. say
2: for like living up to the hype because I I definitely had like a sense of like a is a bit bittersweet because it went out on a high yeah. note and your the only your only dissatisfaction was that you knew it was the end. Th-
0: well, the that's beauty? perfect. That's perfect.
2: What so I'm saying is like yes, it's the way you want a series to go out.
0: Yeah, it's without a doubt yeah. the best ending of any of the series by far. And oh, yeah, yeah. that's how they should have ended the fucking next generation movies instead of ending on a shit note. <laughs> I mean, they ended the series. I mean, part one and two of, of, uh, of All Good Things is, uh, um, historical for me as well. That's not the, today's not the yeah. first time you've seen that. No, no, no. Said no. Said it's not the first games. time. I've
1: rediscovered how great it was. Yeah. The, the uh, thing that I really took note of is, it's brilliant the way they constructed it because he's visiting all these different time periods and seeing every character who was a part of the show, and he's seeing them both in their current states, their future states, and their past states. So he's taking you back to the beginning of the series through the Picard character. It is awesome. It's a view of all the characters, again, from the original perspective that you had of them, and it's with this extra knowledge of all the baggage that's to come. It's such a beautiful finale. I just can't even describe it.
0: Yeah,
1: I, I was literally sitting there going, wow, that is amazing. I love this show. The other show. thing you think is
2: how awesome, how really, truly great the actors were in that show.
1: Yes. I mean, Patrick Q, Stewart, watching Brent John Spiner, Delancey.
2: John, I mean, the big three, they're delivered. Uh, Patrick Stewart, Brent Spiner, and John Delancey hey. just were on fire. And I love Brent Spiner's interpretation of that aging,
1: like, a, a Data who had grown <laughs> into his skin. He's got a streak of gray in his hair. No, but, but I mean, he had
2: grown into his own skin. He wasn't fully yes. human, but he wasn't with his head stuck yeah, up he his ass. He was comfortable with himself. Exactly. Mm. And that the way he portrayed that is just like, wow. He was
0: still quirky, and he was still just quirky as ever, just like Data's always been. But he didn't care. <laughs> yeah. he, he, he didn't in feel like... Ways. He but, wasn't awkward about
2: it. And you think of one-note characters that Star Trek's had before, like Uh, Tuvok. Is the one that springs immediately. Or fucking Neelix. <laughs> he could have been a Tuvok. Yeah. In a lesser director, in lesser actor's hands, Data could have been just one note. Uh, I'm Pinocchio with no strings, and he made him uh-huh. so much more. I think. I mean, the sudden, the sudden. I'm, I, and I thought that that episode. That's why I'm talking about it. All good things really showcases how he was able to articulate with very little screen time to the audience. This is Data in the future, and he's comfortable yeah.
1: in his own skin. Which is a remarkable thing to say about data. (laughs) Absolutely, and and that episode shows you the entire spectrum of data's evolution. Uh, It shows you everything from the time we first met him until the the final meeting of him and Picard. I mean, it's phenomenal. It is
0: too bad he got blown up on Shinzon's ship.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I don't think any. I I think
2: uh, all of the movies past uh, First Contact should be retconned as non-existing. And actually, yeah. they did. JJ Abrams uh, has reset the whole universe, so none of
1: that should happen. That's true. The next generation never even happened. You over.
0: Well, it's Universe B. Let's be let's be technically accurate here.
1: That's true. Yeah. He didn't. He, he didn't create none, an yeah. alternate timeline.
0: Yeah. So, I need to revisit that then so, again soon.
1: Yeah, I think anyone who hasn't seen that in a while should go back and really just take a look at that as a series finale because it is astounding. Uh. I would recommend BitTorrent if uh,
2: copyright theft was legal.
0: <laughs> well, there's your first cut of the show, Jim. <laughs> yeah, cut that right out. Gone. I'd recommend robbing a grocery store. It's out in Blu-ray now.
1: Hey, Rod, these these games haven't just crumbled into dust. I mean, yes, a lot of them were buried in the desert, but most of them still <laughs> exist. Those are only you the could worst. You can play ones. a lot of these.
2: I don't think there's enough. I have enough breath to blow on a, the slot enough. Of a Nintendo game to get any of the ones in pawn shops to work. I mean, they're just gone through the bit, gods. I don't want to know about the shame. slots
0: you're blowing on, Aaron. This is a damn yeah, shame. Emulators and,
2: and ROMs were illegal, so... Were yeah. illegal.
0: I just, uh... Yeah. I mean, just realized today that the song Dave Matthews sings about Gravedigger was about the console <laughs> crash of the early 80s.
1: Yeah, the ET cards. Yep. He's going out and buried, digging up the ET cards. Buried
0: in the desert. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, that's where they need to bury this podcast It is going downhill fast It has gone to hell uh, So I'm, I'm confident in saying 15 years from
2: now, listeners will not be saying I had a moment of geek bliss When I listened to the moment of geek bliss podcast Of Blue Yonder <laughs> Yeah, probably
1: not But it's
0: okay <laughs> Well, I tried to blow in their cart <laughs>
1: Yeah, I tried, I, I tried to open the slot And blow in their cart all right, well, that'll just about do it for the show. If you have any questions or comments or you just want to chat, you can visit our forums at www.baldmove.com.
0: Dot com.
1: Or send us an email at blueyonder at baldmove.com. Or you can reach us by phone at 1-800-GO-FUCK-YOURSELF. <laughs> With that said, until next time, I'm Jim Jones.
0: And I am Peter Street.
1: Hey, Ron
2: Hubbard. Ciao.
0: met her at the Star Wars convention. Did I mention she was looking for love? I had to call her bluff. Lady, you don't mean how that sounded. That thousand pound dude in the no fat chicks shirt's astounded. Thought she'd take it back. Revoke, rewind, resend, retract. You heard me. She said, I'll take any man here to descend to the cave where you conquer the fear. And I'll steer you to the side to force you to Somebody's standing up here now. This girl, you have to understand, would not look out of place on the arm of a detracted man So the geeks in attendance got jaws on the floor One extends his saber, but he tripped on his cloak I stepped to the front, then I spoke I ain't spitting game, look, I got a Wookiee hat on But these guys here are used to getting spat on by girls See, you put them in shock, and this ain't the right con to quote Mr. Spock But it's highly illogical to me Girl, look me in the eye, said, is your mind free? watching hey. oh, oh, there running. you go. That's
2: what I'm talking about. Jim, do your do your, uh, do your <laughs> Scottish brogue. I was just trying to describe somebody he doing that today.
0: Scottish brogue. Yeah,
2: when you start doing like uh, Scotty, like you know, Scotty, like a deep and your are trilling
1: your R's and all that stuff. <laughs> well, I can't do it now. I can't do it on command. say, yeah, yeah, like, what, you gonna, say, like, gonna what gonna be... are
0: you doing making barrels in here? here? <laughs> it's, it's like they're
1: fucking making barrels. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, what are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, did I step into a barrel factory?
0: Now full of yellow laser beams I think the whole idea of, like, muting me, saying bad about the... Yeah,
1: thing. that's a really good mute, idea. You actually have to... Yeah, beep, you know? like, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. That's a fun idea. <laughs> that's good.
2: It's because, like, if they're listening, like, what the fuck could he possibly be saying?
0: Right, what don't we know about <laughs> the Matrix already? And they'll want
2: to see the And what is TSP? this TSP thing? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a great... What is this TSP you speak of? Yeah, it's There's a good
0: there. way to build interest in our other properties. Oh, and yeah. I think, oh. like...
2: And I think, because I really do think that's a bomb to drop on people. Like, once you see the... T- You can't unsee them. It's it's real. It's real.
0: It cannot be unseen. (laughs) Right. I believe that's true, although every time we do this, we're watching it on your wall sized TV. I mean, that's that's the biggest Matrix
2: moment of all time. People walked out of the fucking movie theater, 15 foot wide, (laughs) and no one said, What fucked up?
0: You know, the testament of that movie being good is the fact that you watched it the first time, not noticing the 12-story tall. (laughs) Yeah. I mean. Uh, They they look like (laughs) punching. I know. Imagine that in the middle of (laughs) episode one. There is no way. In the middle of (laughs) episode one. There is no way.